You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is Alex Barallo, your host tonight, joined by Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, a bit conflicted as we get down the stretch here this season, whether I want to root for draft picks or wins down the stretch. So I would say I'm very conflicted. Yes, uh, we, there was a little bit of conversation going on, and I think Glenn put out a poll today um, with the, the, that exact conversation, and I am curious to see how that's going to turn out tomorrow with – where our fans are looking at this point. Are we nailing it in or are we still kind of holding on to what little hope may be left in the season? Uh, dealing with a little bit of a head cold, everybody, so I do apologize if I, if I don't sound uh, as normally clear as I, as I usually do. Uh, but the show must go on, and, and we're forging through it. Uh, another, <laughs> another week of Jet Nation Radio, and we're talking about, yet again, another loss. Uh, this one hurts uh, maybe more so than some of, you know, the other losses that we've experienced this year. And, you know, maybe it's differently for some, but for me going through this game and being upbeat through that first half and thinking, wow, you know, this team is finally getting, you know, their you-know-what together. And uh, all signs were were pointing up. And uh, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, the Jets fall to the Miami Dolphins, uh, 31 to 24, and it's uh, a tale of two halves. A first half where the Jets looked very competitive, and we were um, most definitely in the game. And then in the second half, things really, really fell apart um, rather fast and brief. Um, Dylan, uh, you, you put together some great notes and, and some really good nuggets from, from there. So uh, why don't you go ahead and, and, and break down what you saw um, from this weekend's game and, and go ahead and, and give us your insight on how you feel, you know, why things were working well in the beginning and, and, and why did things fall apart for this team in the second half? Yeah, I think first off, when you look offensively, you look at, uh, offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur and he kind of emptied the bag of tricks in the first half with I counted at least three trick plays maybe there were some more scripted and that didn't quite end that way but they had the reverse to Berrios that it looked like he was going to pass it but ended up running for the touchdown you had the reverse pass from Berrios to Wilson in which he found Griffin wide open which set up the, the touchdown and then they had the third and 15 I'm going to call it a hook and hail Mary where Crowder caught it and tossed it back to Barrios. And, you know, those are the types of things you like to see before the team is eliminated from playoff contention in December. You want to see that stuff in October and November, but it's nice that you see it in year one in the offense, because you know that 
next year they're just going to build upon that and use it more often and earlier on in the season as the team gets more comfortable. And then Zach Wilson, he had a great first drive. He was hitting his targets. He was decisive. He had a couple third down drops. I think the one by Keelan Cole was, you know, the most frustrating because it was a great pass by Wilson. And I thought he was, you know, in a rhythm and that kind of stopped the momentum a little bit. He had a great scramble play, which it was all freelancing in the third quarter on the third and four. I think he made four or five defenders miss. And then, of course, you know, he had the strip sack in the fourth quarter, which McDermott absolutely got annihilated. And the pressure came off within, you know, less than two seconds on Zach. It looked like he had a play opened. I think it was to Mims, maybe to Crowder on that side, but he had no chance. The defender got there too quick. Um, He had a great first half. The second half kind of dropped off, only ended with 52 passing yards in the second half, 170 for the day. Jamison Crowder, he had six first-half targets. Um, The next highest in the first half was only two, so he was getting a lot of looks early. He then only got two targets in the second half, which was kind of frustrating because it seems like Zach likes to target the shorter separation-type receivers and, you know, Crowder, Berrios, Elijah Moore when he was healthy. So it was unfortunate that he couldn't get Crowder going in the second half. Uh, Michael Carter, he returned from the injury after missing three games and only had 20 total yards, which is really upsetting. 18 on the ground and then only one target for two two yards in the passing game. And then I know this isn't solely a Zach Wilson stat. It's a very much a team stat, but the Jets were 3-11 and on third down, which is really unacceptable at this stage in the game when this should be at least around the 50%. And I went back and I I said it last week and now I'm adding on to that total and they're 11 for 57 in on third down since Zach Wilson has returned, which is 19.2%. So unacceptable there. And then flip over to the defense, Ashton Davis. I think if he could play to a tongue of Aloha every single week of the season, he would not only be a pro bowler, all pro, but, he would probably break the record for interceptions because it seems like he has to his number. He had a pick on the second drive on the first play. And then he almost had a second pick, if not for Bryce Hall, you know, tipping it, trying to get it for himself. Uh, I think the next drive or a few plays later, even Um, I thought the secondary, it was their best collective effort. They had four passes defensed in the first half and they ended with eight. I think Eccles and all and Hall both had three, Davis and Riley ended with one, so it's nice to see all of them getting a little bit of work. Brandon Eccles was a little bit up and down. He was beat by Albert Wilson early, and he had good clothing speed to break the pass up, but it was a very short, uh, you know, underthrown pass from Tua, so he was definitely beat. And then he did get beat by Devontae Parker <clears throat> later on in the game. Made up for it, though, yeah. and had and had the pick six, which I thought he telegraphed Tua right away, and he, I, I thought at that moment the Jets were going to win, so that was a great play by him. And then one person I want to highlight in the, the negative sense, which I don't always like to do, but this ended up costing us the game. It was Delshawn Phillips. He was on the goal line play where Christian Wilkins scored the touchdown. He got beat. He mm. was looking in the backfield. His eyes weren't focused on Wilkins slipping out of the back, and uh, he let up the catch, so – that's what put the Dolphins up 31-24, and the Jets couldn't recover. 
Um, in the second half, they had back-to-back long drives defensively that led to two touchdowns, which erased the Jets' lead that they had. And they let the Dolphins run for a season-high 183 rushing yards, which it was their season-high at like 160-something. So they absolutely shattered their season-high total there. So not a good look for the defense again. And then special teams, surprisingly, on an upswing the last two weeks, Eddie Pinero was 4-for-4 four four on his kicks today, 7-for-7 seven seven since signing with the team. Uh, Pinnock had a, a bonehead penalty as a gunner that cost them 15 yards early on in the first half. Uh, Braden Mann had a really nice kick at the end of that first half that was downed inside the three-yard line, which pretty much eliminated the Dolphins from scoring any points going into the half. And then they were able to capitalize on the, the muffed punt by the Dolphins. So all around, you know, the special teams is trending upward. So, you know, it's, it's tough when you lose games like this because not only are they divisional games and this is what you want to see, like you want to see competitive football out of these games, which we did. Unfortunately, it was only for the first half, not the second. And you just want to see a collective effort all the way through. I think you can't really put the blame on one person, especially not Zach Wilson in the first half and the second half. Really, mm-hmm. he was really just, making plays wherever he could. So, um, unfortunately, you know, not a win. It was competitive, but not not the result everybody was looking for. Great breakdown there, Dylan. Um, some good stuff there. And, and you know, I'm just kind of kind of going to recap a little bit um, from some of the things that you mentioned and, and, you know, some things that stood out to me in that game. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, while it's on my head, I want to talk a little bit about the Ashton Davis thing. It's kind of funny how – the first interception that he made was probably the more difficult play, uh, being that, you know, it was a tip drill. He had to lay out for it. And then the second one was almost a gimme. And, and like you said, you know, Bryce Hall, um, you know, just reacting to the ball, making a good pass deflection, you know, trying mm-hmm. to complete the play. And, and he just, you know, muffs up that one. And, you know, people will look at the stat line and, and say, you know, Ashton Davis, you know, had himself a really, really good game and, you know, I come to think outside of those two plays where, you know, there was a turnover and a probable turnover, um, you know, he did not do very well in run support. Um, that's something that I've noticed not only in this game, but, you know, if you go back to that New Orleans game as well, um, mm-hmm. and numerous times throughout the season, it just seems like he's not in the right position. He really needs to work on his open field tackling. You know, uh, I understand that, you know, this guy is uh, – You know, he likes to generate speed and deliver a big hit. You know, that's what a lot of safeties like to do. Uh, But if you're overzealous or if you're too aggressive, you know, it can really, really bite you, especially if you have, you know, agile, you know, playmakers on the opposite side um, that make you look bad. And and there was just some plays that, you know, he completely whiffed and was out of position. Um, And you really can't have that. Um, The Jets really, really made – uh, Duke Johnson looked like, you know, the running back of old. And perhaps it's because, you know, the running back situation in Miami was was pretty bad, you know, as far as the COVID situation. They were able to get Miles Gaskin back, but he seemed like he was in a limited role. And uh, Duke Johnson, you know, why wouldn't you continue to keep going to him as he's getting five, six, seven yards a cliff? Uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, they were opening up wide, you know, running lanes as far as, you know, you could fit a truck through, but they were opening up lanes and the Jets could not answer for it. 
the defensive line was not, you know, generating enough, uh, you know, run support at the line of scrimmage and our linebackers, you know, mainly Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley um, up and down with their play, mainly down, you know, we, we know that they're good in the run support, but little room to be desired with the, the pass coverage and, you know, and this, this particular week, they didn't look like they were, you know, doing that great as far as run protect. I mean, uh, you know, rush protection. So uh, very, very odd, um, very, very disappointing to see this defense struggle the way that they did. Uh, and, and the second half, you know, Zach was pretty much under duress for, you know, every single series. And we have had some lineup changes uh, at the offensive line, George Fant being out, you know, his presence, was uh, definitely felt with him being out of the lineup. And, uh, again, just, you know, really, really frustrating uh, to see one aspect of the team doing well while the other struggling. And, you know, special teams seems to be getting themselves together. So one thing's going well, but, you know, we never seem to be balanced. Um, Jets are, are most definitely off balanced at this point. And, uh it's going to be difficult moving forward with these la- these next few games because Jacksonville looks like a game that we have a good opportunity of winning. Um, but then you go ahead and you look at, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Buffalo game and you look at the Tampa game and, you know, we pretty much can draw up losses there um, in the event that Tampa benches their entire starting team because they're playoff bound. That would probably be the only scenario um that would, you know, surprise me, surprise the fans with pulling out a W before the end of the season. So, uh, you know, it, 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 as I'm looking at this, the, the beginning of the game here, and you're, you're seeing these things unravel, and, you know, the Jets make an early turnover, which we haven't really seen them do. Um, they're putting themselves in good field position. They capitalize on this a couple times. Uh but to put together, you know, 50 yards of total offense in the second half and the only points that you were able to generate come off of Brandon Eccles' pick six, that's just really, really poor. Um, you know, and that, that, that cannot happen moving forward. And I understand we're not playing with all the guys that we started with week one, but, you know, we can't use that as an excuse at this point. Every team has had injuries or lost, you know, critical players at critical positions. And, you just got to figure out a way to work around that and continue to progress and continue to be competitive. And, uh, you know, we've lost some players. We've added some players. You know, we thought that we would be getting a boost with Michael Carter. He ends up, like you said, only 20 yards on the day. I think that was a a huge disappointment. You know, the Jets did try to run the ball uh, 20 times, you know, excluding the, uh, the four carries from Zach Wilson. And I have to say, you know, as you said, he he did whatever he could to try to make a play. You know, he's scrambling left, you know, slipping tackles here, moving to his right, throwing across his body, um, things that you really shouldn't do, but he did, and he got away with it. And it ends up being, you know, one of those, you know, wow plays. So, you know, Zach has shown some better presence as far as being in the pocket. Um, Unfortunately, his offensive line continues to struggle. Uh, with giving him, you know, the opportunity to go through his reads and find the right guy. So uh, if, if there's anything to be learned from, from this game, 
the Jets absolutely need to find, you know, not only players that are reliable offensively, that don't draw passes and can create separation. Uh, they need to find reliable linemen that can give Zach more time. And then defensively, they need to get more athletic from the linebacker position. Um, going in a, just trying to find one pass rusher um, is definitely not the way to do it. Let's find a, a two or three guys that we can rotate in and out. Um, you know, I, I like what Bryce Huff is doing. I'm hopeful that Carl Lawson comes back at full strength and, and can add to that. But I want at least another two guys to come into the fold next season that can contribute uh, because what we're working with right now is not going to get it done. And the 3-11 and record validates that statement. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done with this team. And, you know, I, I definitely feel more disappointed with the defense than I do offense. I don't know how you feel about that, Dylan. Um, you know, because I was just anticipating Robert Sala to come in here, implement his defense, and seeing some of the pieces that we have with Quinn and Williams and C.J. Mosley, you know, Marcus May until he got hurt, and, you know, Bryce Hall, who's emerging into a good player. There, there's, good, there's good players in that on the defensive side, but collectively they're just not really working together as a unit. And who knows if it's the level of talent that we're – that we have on this team, which it could be, or it could be that Robert Sala's system and his scheme is not, you know, coming to fruition out in the field and, and being something that is a viable defense right now. Uh, you know, they got another year to work on this. So next year, I guess we'll be more telling on, on what has been learned and what they've been able to build and progress on. But, you know, at the moment right now, this is definitely unsatisfactory football that we're seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit yeah. about the Miami game, and uh, if you have a thought, go for it, Dylan, and then we can we'll – we'll we have to go down this injury list and, and things that have been going on. It's unfortunate, but we do have to do it. But go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, I was going to say, coming into the year, you thought that the offense would have its struggles and the defense, you know, being backed by a defensive-minded head coach with a lot of pedigree like Rob Sala has, that they would be, you know, kind of holding up the team – for the first part of the season into the, into the, the winter months. And it seems like it's kind of the opposite. The offense has to do as much as they can to prevent the defense from being on the field because they're the liability at this point. And I'm glad you brought up Bryce Huff because I do think that with this rotation on the D line that Rob Sala likes to deploy, that they have no other choice, but to go out and find at least one more edge rusher to compliment, even when Carl Lawson is back. Lawson, JFM, Huff, I think they need one, if not two more names in that mix to really, you know, get this defense functioning at, at full strength. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we'll talk a little bit more um, in the later weeks uh, about, you know, certain players that are on the fence. We'll put in a segment about who we feel needs to come back into this 22 roster and, and who we can, you know, part ways with, you know, I think we'll get a lot of fun with that. Um, that's something that I've been meaning to talk to you about. And uh, we'll, we'll have to plan that into mm-hmm. a future show because we have a lot of one year uh, contracts on this roster. And, you know, there are a few guys that we thought would be, you know, consistent, productive players on this team. And we really haven't seen a lot of that, you know, right off the bat, um, 
you know, Keelan Cole is one of those guys that I was anticipating a lot more. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think whatever role that has been carved out for him in this, this offense just makes him, you know, if he's like the third, you know, read in a, in a particular pass play, our offensive line is not giving Zach Wilson enough time to get to the first read, the second read, then the third read or the fourth read. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where he's penciled in at right now, I think that could be possibly why we're not seeing as much production from him. Um, and also, you know, with the personnel changes that they've had from each week to week, uh, it, it's been a little bit of a head scratcher, you know, um, you know, I will say this, and, and we, we chatted a little bit last night, uh, seeing Zach Wilson work the line of scrimmage, making audibles um, for that zero coverage, you know, blitz defense or whatever the Miami Dolphins like to do to try to put pressure um, on the quarterback and show one thing and then, you know, um, do another thing. For instance, there was a play where they had eight, players on the line of scrimmage and they had nobody in coverage as far as the deep safety was concerned. And it looked like they were going with an all out blitz. They end up rushing three and dropping eight. And, you know, we, we could not adjust to it. So Miami put together a very good game plan. Um, you know, the jets did have uh, a plan uh, to, to attempt to try to, to beat or try to un, unravel what Miami was going to do. Uh, and some plays did work, you know, uh, they, they got a little pass out to, uh, Trayvon Wesco and, you know, it's amazing what happens when you, you give a big guy that's six foot five, 265 pounds, the ball, and you put him out in space, what he can do. Um, God, you know, I've been waiting for that for about three years and I just don't understand why we can't give a guy like him the ball three or four times a game because he can create a mismatch, um, you know, it was shown in, in the little things that he did. And, you know, he, he did, you know, create some, some decent runs for, for our running backs as well. Uh, but it just really, really seems like at this point in time, he's, uh, he's just not being, you know, mixed in. And um, due to the lack of tight ends that we have on the current roster, it looks like he's been forced into the situation here. So, you know, Wesco might be one of those people we talk about, um, in that, that, you know, segment that I was recently talking about on who's going to be here for 2022 and who won't, um, just not too sure, uh, you know, what his future is going to be, but I kind of wish that he would have a role moving forward. But, uh, at the moment mm-hmm. I have doubts. Uh, but again, <laughs> yep. seeing a little bit of progression with Zach Wilson controlling that line of scrimmage, uh, gave me, you know, put a smile on my face. Right? That is showing a little bit of improvement. And like you said, with the trick plays that LaFleur is calling um, at this point, you know, we're not being a vanilla pedestrian style offense. We are taking some chances. So I do like that. Uh, You know, last year, the last two years, we saw a very, very conservative, poor offense. That would have never happened. Yeah. Yeah. We would have never seen plays like that at all. Mm -hmm. So to see, you know, him saying, okay, you know, what else do we got to lose? And, And the one play where, you know, they, they threw the ball to Crowder over the middle, and then he throws it, you know, back to Berrios in the screen formation. And, uh, you know, that's what we're, you know, razzle-dazzle football is the way I see it. And I say razzle-dazzle because I went to West Army football camp as a kid, and every year they put together, 
a, a bunch of teams at camp, and we played razzle-dazzle ball, and you could basically lateral, forward lateral, everything was like, you know, legal in this style of gameplay, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see that, I was just kind of like, whoa, what is, what is this guy doing over here? You know, ever since LaFleur got up into the booth, it seems like a lot um, has changed as far as what he's seeing and, and his play calling. So uh, hopefully these are little things that we can build on. And, you know, as we begin to see more and more of Zach Wilson's development, we'll be able to see more of those fun style of plays come from Mike LaFleur. So clearly he has probably another, you know, chapter of plays in his playbook that we have not even seen yet. And, you know, hopefully as our quarterback play gets better, we'll be able to see some of that stuff because it did look pretty cool. And, you know, um, had Keelan Cole on that one wide receiver pass connected with Zach Wilson, it, it would have been a lot of fun to see. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. It probably worked out, you know, when they were practicing it, um, at, you know, every day. But uh, unfortunately, when it came to Sunday, they couldn't convert that one. So, uh, some good things, some bad things, uh, but now we're going to move on to the the injury news and, and the transaction segment. Um, oh, okay, seeing your message now. Okay, Dylan, didn't realize you dropped there. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Away. Yeah, You're yeah I don't know what happened. Okay, I just lost it. Yep, yep, just lost it for a second. You got me but nervous I'm there. I thought, I thought we were going to have another uh, – you know, crash and burn on blog talk, but uh, oh, not oh, yeah, right. um, <laughs> you know, I might've just put the voodoo on the show right now. Um, but yeah, unfortunately we do have to go through the, some injury news and some transaction mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, Dylan, you put together a little list yesterday. I'm trying to find it here. Do you have access to that? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now on my, my Google doc. Okay. I can read down the names real quick. Up. I can, uh, I can start with the COVID name. We got a a laundry list of names that were added to the COVID list. So I didn't even notice this one before the game over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Foley Mm -hmm. Fatukasi was put on the COVID list, which explains why Jonathan Marshall played so much. Um, And then Salah said on Monday that uh, he added five more names. Let's see. The Tanzel Smart off the practice squad, John Franklin Myers, so that's a starter. Sherrod Neesman, who was kind of playing a starter role with Elijah Riley getting hurt. Uh, Lamar Jackson, the cornerback, off the practice squad. And then Vincent Smith, wide receiver. So a good list of names that are put on the list. They only took one lit name off the list, which is Mike White. So he'll probably serve as the quarterback three for the rest of the season. And then in other injury news, they had – placed Ryan Griffin on IR today uh, with a knee injury, effectively ending his season with only three games left. Uh, Update on Elijah Riley was that he's in the concussion protocol. Salah seemed hopeful that they'll get him back this season, possibly this week. They ended up claiming uh, safety Will Parks from the Dolphins earlier today, so it doesn't seem entirely likely that Riley will play or possibly Neesman will play this week. So they're super thin at safety yet again. Quinn and Williams will be limited in practice. Uh, They're going to put a harness on him to see what his level of comfort is, but they're hopeful he'll play Sunday. (laughs) And then George Fant, they're optimistic that he'll play Sunday at left tackle. Okay. 
And I'm reading this one, uh, this news update from Ethan Greenberg, the Jets team reporter. Ryan Griffin was put on the injured reserve. Uh, I assume that that would mean that he's probably done for the year. Um, yep. Good Lord. It looks like Wesco, it, you know, Wesco, they're, yep. they're not, they don't have any other choice but to play the poor guy. And who knows um, who's going to be the, the, you know, the next guy that comes out of the wood, woodwork here. I think we picked up Dan Brown. Is, it, is that yep. a different? Is that is, a, is there a difference between Dan Brown and Daniel Brown? Um, nope, it's the I read same that, Dan I Brown. Into it. It's the same Dan Brown. Okay, so we went from yep. Daniel to Dan. Okay, no problem. And, so and we got Tardy Dan Brown, for free. a familiar face. Yep. Okay. And we got okay. Uh, well, yeah, you know, Duvernay Tardy was free. So there you go. Uh, and then there was uh, Yaboa, Kenny Yaboa too. So yep. Um, I'm not sure what his health situation is. <laughs> I'd imagine that those be our top three. Now, mm-hmm. this is something that seems to be a little alarming. I just retweeted it. Um, I just want to make sure that I come correct here. Uh, it was Field Yates, who's known for his updates for fantasy football. Um, he reported two hours ago that Elijah Vera Tucker and cornerback Michael Carter was also added to the COVID list. So Jeez. it looks like we just lost a nickel corner and we lost our starting left guard who I guess it's debatable um, as far as the interior lineman. I, I think he might be playing the best um, out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, clearly I think George Fan is our best offensive lineman as of year to date. So very, very, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, and it's not just us. This is going across the board. Everybody is being affected by this pandemic still. Absolutely, and, yeah. uh, not sure, you know, what the situations are, who's vaxxed, who's not. I know that there's different rules as far as, you know, vaccinated players can come back with two days of, you know, uh, negative testing before Sunday. So if that's the case, you know, maybe something changes. It's Tuesday, and uh, we'll, we'll have to, you know, look for those Friday updates to see if anything changes. But, yeah, um doesn't look too promising as far as, you know, being at full strength yet again. Um, and, and that is definitely one of the reasons why the Jets have not been so successful this year is that they have not been able to work with the same unit week in and week out. And, uh, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker and Michael Carter have been key players to this, to this team and uh, definitely going to be hurting not having them. So um, that's the injury news about, um, you know, segment here, and, you know, you had mentioned, and I, I kind of gave a, a little ugh there, uh, why are we in a in a lost season, you know, putting out one of our best players in Quinn and Williams and, and, for, and making him force through this injury? I mean, you know, we, we tip our caps for being a tough guy and, you know, fighting through these things and, and doing things like that. I mean, at this point, if something happens – between now to the end of the season because of these next few games that come up and Quinn and Williams require shoulder surgery, not only is that going to affect his play style for 2022, um, but it may also affect his future with this team um, because he's one of those players that will be coming up um, for a contract extension very soon, and the Jets need to make a decision if they're going to utilize his fifth-year option. Now, we know how a lot of these first-round picks are within recent um, years, uh, a lot of these guys ask for extensions before they get to that point. Um, who knows if Quentin Williams is going to be one of those people, but 
I think that the Jets can't get really cute here and gamble with players' health at this point, especially when you're you're three and eleven, and there's no way, no how that we have a postseason. So I'm not too. Um, uh, I guess I'm not on board with the decision of, of you know, pushing out Quinnen when he's, I don't know, 75, 80%. You know, I, I just don't know, you know, how that, that looks. He got injured during the game, and then he was doubtful for his return in this Miami game, and uh, he ends up with, I think, one tackle on the day. So uh, I don't know if he's, you know, we appreciate you coming out there and doing what you have to do, but if you're not going to help us win games and you may – hinder yourself further, I don't know if it's a good decision to keep him going. How do you feel about, you know, the Jets, you know, or maybe it's Quinnen, um, but how do you feel about the Quinnen Williams situation and, and him playing down the stretch? I think you have to definitely take it day by day with him and don't rush him back like you're saying and, you know, potentially cause more injury that requires that off-season shoulder surgery because then you never know what the timetable is for his return mm-hmm. to just conditioning in the off season even could be a big setback for someone that plays on the, the defensive line and, and that carries around a lot of weight. So it's definitely a, a touchy situation that I think they need to be very delicate when they, they go about it. But I was looking at the, the fifth year option rules and where Quinnen would fall into that. So if he's voted into the pro bowl, I'm not sure if they announced the rosters yet. If he's voted to the pro bowl this year, he, his fifth-year option would be equal to the transition tag, which is top 10 average salary at the position. So the top 10 players take their average salary. That would be his price. But right now he's in the playtime category, which is one tier below, which means that he had 50% snaps across all three seasons. Now, I did the math. If he does not play for the rest of the season – he'd be at about 51% snaps for the Jets total in 2021, which his average would fall below 50% snaps across three seasons because he only played 46% of the snaps in one of his first two years. So then he would meet the, the basic requirement for the franchise or the fifth year option price, which is the top three to 25 at the position. So right now it seems like Quinn and Williams is, either top 10 if he makes that Pro Bowl, which it seems somewhat likely that he might, or he's in the 3 to 25 salary, which is, you know, well below that top 10 range. So I think money could be in play for Quinton Williams here, depending on if he plays or not. I'm not sure if that's going into his decision. I'm sure, I'm sure his agent has brought it up at this point because that's what agents do. So like I said, it's very touchy, you know, and you have to be delicate regardless of what it is because you can't risk further injury to one of your best players. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, who, who was else out that was out there that we were talking about? Oh, Bukai Becton. Uh, we had the same similar kind of scenario there too. And right. Um, yeah. Kind of interesting how, you know, we were talking about, um, Quinn Williams possibly returning after Thanksgiving and here we are the week of Christmas and for everybody, you know, have a happy holidays, um, you know, uh, whatever you, you know, you celebrate and everything like that. Enjoy yourself. But uh, yeah, here we are almost a month away from Thanksgiving and uh, we haven't seen head or hair or, and haven't had an update. So uh, who knows, maybe at this point, 
you know, maybe he and Becton both should uh, take this time to rehab, heal, um, and get healthy and prepare for next year. Um, two big, big mm-hmm. um, pieces on this this team, um, and uh, probably the biggest guys on the roster as well. So um, I'd like to see them, you know, heavily involved, healthy with the, the future plans. But, uh, you know, we'll see how this plays out within the next few weeks. And uh, looking at the clock here, we are going to do a little bit of a shorter show tonight. So, um, Dylan, why don't we transition here and let's talk a little bit about our upcoming opponent, which will be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, This is the number one pick versus the number two pick. So I guess as far as these rookie quarterbacks are concerned, this is for bragging rights. Um, So, yeah, uh, we are, are we in Jacksonville for this game? I believe. Nope, uh, it's home. No, no, we have two home games, and then we're away in Buffalo. So look at that. Okay. Yep. So uh, they're coming up to us, the, the, the Floridians, into some cold weather after Christmas, uh, Christmas Day. So what are you thinking? Um, are we going to have a uh, Christmas spectacular here? Or, uh, you know, will Tiny Tim not be getting his Christmas present this year? This is where I'm so conflicted because I feel like <laughs> – Quite, quite frankly, neither team deserves the win just based on how the seasons have gone for them. But you have to look mm-hmm. at both franchises individually this year and all the positives that have still come out of Florham Park versus all the, the storylines and the negatives that have come out of Jacksonville. I mean, not to, mm. not to you know, rub it in their face, but they're kind of a dumpster fire. And coming from a, a Jets-led Ooh, podcast, that's, that's pretty sad, you know, so – when when we're this bad at three and eleven, and we have somebody else to kind of dump on, it's it's nice. But this isn't a game that you can go into the week and say, okay, we can look past the Jaguars because this is an easy W. There is still mm-hmm. fifty three men on that team that want to get a win, regardless of their draft position or whatever. So they're going to come out hungry. They seem to to play a little bit better under their interim coach Daryl Bevel. You know, James Robinson got fed the ball a lot more, and I anticipate that being the case since the Jets can't stop anybody on the ground. So expect a lot of run plays. And then Trevor Mm -hmm. Lawrence, I mean, like you said, the number one versus the number two. It's been a pretty down season for both Trevor and Zach, but it's kind of been flipped. Zach struggled and then has battled back, and Trevor started off a little bit hot and now has only scored one touchdown in the last seven weeks. So this is a game that the Jets should come out and, you know, hopefully win. And I'm going to say they should win it because this is a team that needs to actually come alive and, and show progress and play a full 60-minute football game and be balanced like you talked about on all three phases, offense, defense, special yeah. teams. We can't, we can't have one come out and then one falter and then special teams be meh. We have to have it all clicking, even with a team as bad as the Jaguars. So were favorites for the first time since week four, 2020 against Denver. That was the Thursday night game where I think Darnold scrambled for 48 yards untouched in the all black uniforms. And we still ended up losing. So, you know, it's it's not a game I'm going to say that the Jets will win, but I will say they should win this game. Yeah. I mean, at this point we've seen them doing, you know, play enough poor football 
to where nobody should feel confident going into this game thinking that this is a lock. Um, you know, Jackson, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I remember reading those news clippings about Trevor Lawrence when, uh, you know, things were so bad in that 2020 season. And, you know, I think, was it week 12 or week 13 before we got our first win? You know, we were winless forever. And, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was all but a lock to the Jets. And then, you know, a couple wins near the, the last couple weeks of, of football, um, you know, moved us from the one to the two. And, you know, there were media pundits out there saying Trevor Lawrence should stay in school if he ends up being the first-round pick and the Jets are on the clock. And, you know, he, anywhere but the Jets was, was what they, people were saying. And mm-hmm. now you look at their situation with Urban Meyer getting fired and all the drama that you hear from players, you know, that have been – you know, expressing their personal situations and incidents that occurred within the locker room and how dysfunctional things were over there. And, you know, the coach didn't, I think when they went to Cleveland or they played a game in Ohio, he stayed and the team flew back and just weird, bizarre things that happened over there. And it's just kind of funny how it's, you know, it's easy. It's it's like low hanging fruit, as they would say, to pick on the Jets in our scenario, just because we Mm -hmm. haven't been, that productive throughout the years. And, uh, yeah, I just am curious to, to wonder what the opinions are of those individuals that claim that our situation was so bad. I mean, if, if we had to just summarize the reason why the Jets think this year, you know, A, it would be that they don't have enough above-average talent on this roster on both sides of the ball. And uh, that's easy to say, you know, looking at our draft pick scenarios and how many – free agent signings have just not played out well to our favor throughout the last few seasons. So, you know, some poor decision-making and and below-average talent, and then you've got rookie coaches and and abysmal of injuries and things like that. So, you know, at least it was more of, like, football-related things that happened with the Jets, not internal, you know, interior drama that was, you know, dismantling the – you know, the, uh, the progress of the team, um, you know, I, I know that there was a situation to where even Trevor Lawrence had to question why one of their top running backs um, was not getting enough uh, playing time. And I, that was James Robinson that Trevor Lawrence was referring to. And uh, I believe Carlos Hyde is on the team and he goes back to, you know, his days with Urban Meyer, I believe at Ohio State. So, you know, yep. Urban picks his favorites and, you know, even guys of lesser talent, you know, were getting more opportunities. And how familiar is that with Gase and the Frank Gore situation where we have young 25, 24-year-old mm-hmm. running backs being replaced by a 37-year-old running back? Um, you know, when you're dealing with these coaches that have massive egos and, you know, it's my way or the highway kind of mentality and they put horse blockers on, you know, um, sometimes, you know, they're, the biggest problem is the man in the mirror, and that's clearly the situation with Urban Meyer. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how things have played out from when people were talking about that stuff last year and now, you know, into week 15 of uh, the 2021 season. You know, here we are um, clapping back at, at, at all those people that said our situation was so much worse. And, um you know, right now, I think we do have stability in our um, coaching staff. 
I just think mm-hmm. that once we get better talent and, you know, Joe Douglas gets another draft and, and we have a, a slew of picks coming up. So uh, we should most definitely see some, some better football here. Um, I know blog talk is talking to us here, Dylan, but we'll continue to uh, cover the, <laughs> the game for, for a few more minutes cool. here. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're looking at a Jacksonville team that has struggled, um, very similar to the Jets situation. Uh, but, you know, let's talk a little bit of X's and O's here. Um, what are the key matchups that you see um, from the defensive side um, that we have to make note of um, from the Jacksonville team? Which players stand out to you from Jacksonville that the Jets should really try to, um, you know, take out of the game plan? Well, first and foremost, I think it starts with Josh Allen, the edge rusher. Um, I'm not going to put the label of good or mm-hmm. bad Josh Allen on him like they did in the draft because, quite frankly, both of them are good now. So Josh Allen is the right. number one guy that I think you have to take away. And then another player that I think could become a factor, but also one that I think the that Jets fans should should try to watch a little bit more when the Jets are on offense is Miles Jack. He's a name that's been in the league for a little bit, but he knows this oh, yeah. this defense, the the Jaguars defense is not too dissimilar from what the Jets run or what the Jaguars used to run in the past. So there's a chance I've heard rumors that Miles Jack might, you know, become available if the Jaguars let him go or a potential trade candidate in the off season. So I think that even if he's not making plays in this game specifically, the Jets should look at him as somebody who could come in and help the second level of their defense, which we've been pounding the table needs more speed. So I think he's one to watch mm-hmm. for next year as well. You know, and to take a look at, you know, some other players, I had already mentioned one, James Robinson. Uh, he's one of their best running backs that they have. Um, definitely need to make sure that we keep him limited because, you know, given the opportunity, um, the, the the Jaguars will run the ball as much as they possibly can. And if you've been looking at this Jets, Jets defense as of late, uh, we've been, you know, putting a lot of, you know, running backs in the in the top tier week in, week out, um, as, you know, as far as the numbers are concerned. You know, Duke Johnson runs for – oh, I had it right in front of me. I know he ended up with over, like, 100 yards on the day. I think it was 107. Or a hundred and two, right? And the, yep. you know, the week prior, we hundred and seven. go off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if Duke Johnson can run not... for one hundred and seven, what what can Oof. James Robinson run for? If if Duke hit us for one hundred and seven, you know. Yeah, this defense needs uh, you know slap in the face, and they need to wake up and get back to to showing you know themselves and their fans that they can you know, go back to that old, you know, style of, you know, stopping the run, shutting it down. I, I mean, I miss those games to where, you know, things wouldn't look so great in the first half, but then the defense clicks in the second half and keeps the team, you know, shut out or possibly, you know, to one score, or only field goals. You know, that's the kind of defense that I really would like to see down the line. Um, so James Robinson's a big, big one there. I'm looking at your notes here. You know, Marvin Jones is a savvy veteran. So, uh, you know, they will have to uh, make sure that they keep him in check. With Michael Carter, our nickelback, um, being in question due to COVID, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes in and, and picks up the slack out of that that area. 
You know, I mm-hmm. do feel a little bit more confident with Eccles and Bryce Hall, you know, right now. So, you know, Eccles comes in and shows, you know, right off the bat that, you know, he deserves to be one of the starters on this team. Three pass deflections, one pick six, Bryce Hall, even though he has been penalized a couple times over the last couple weeks, uh, I, I still think that he shows all the traits of being that cornerback one. So there's youth and there's mm-hmm. uh, some good some good prospects that we have at the defensive backfield. Um, you know, just hopefully that continues to, you know, the uh, the meter continues to keep going up and, and those guys don't have any setbacks because I like what I'm seeing right now from that group. Uh, but I, I am curious to see if, it, if it's going to be Gidry or somebody else that comes in to uh, to fill in that role for Carter. And, uh, you know, I'm not too sure because um, I know that Trevor, you know, is an athletic guy. You know, we were struggling, again, with Tua, with the RPO and read option kind of stuff. I don't know how much that's implemented into the Jacksonville scheme, you know, now that they have, you know, an interim head coach in place and, you know, who knows if they're changing some things, you know, philosophically with their playbook. Um, right. I, I haven't watched enough Jacksonville games to, to say, you know, what we can be expecting. Uh, but clearly if they do decide to run some RPO, uh, we, we've seen, you know, how much the Jets can struggle against that style of offense. Um, you know, even though Tua did have a couple turnovers in this game, if you look at what he's done over the last, you know, six games, you know, Miami's got a six-game winning streak. Um, during this time, Tua was thrown for like 80% on his completion percentage, which is just absurd. And uh, they tailored the offense to their quarterback's play style. Amazing concept. Um, right. know, rather than doing doing the, uh, you know, square peg and a round hole kind of philosophy here, they're actually calling plays that fit the needs of their guy. And I think that that's something that maybe the Jets should look at, you know, to doing moving forward um, and tailor their needs to Zach Wilson's uh, talents. And as he becomes more confident, you can implement more things and go with, you know, the direction of your offensive scheme that you want to deploy rather than trying to just force feed him, you know, what your scheme is, build on what he's good at, kind of create the offense around his traits and then continue to stack and expand your, your playbook once he gets a better understanding of, you know, how this whole thing works. So maybe that's something that, you know, the Jets are aware of, um, if they're not, I hope they get. I hope that happens soon because uh, we've got three weeks left of football here, and we would like to see, you know, some sort of glimpse of hope going into the 2022 season. Uh, let's see here, Dylan. We're almost at the one hour mark. Uh, covered a lot tonight. Um, anything mm-hmm. else that um, you know maybe we should mention before we decide to uh, call it a night? No, just other than the fact that it's. 7:20 on a Tuesday night and two football games just kicked off. It's it's a normal day, you know. It's it's very strange oh. having the NFL on on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know this is um, for the fantasy players um, of the world. You know this is crunch time. You know for our teams and um, you know some people's uh, seasons are coming to an end. Some people are moving on to next week and hopefully. Uh, 
you know, winning their, their leagues, they bring home their uh, championship and their, their bragging rights going into the next season. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, for one, am, am looking at all these games, football every night. It's like, oh, my God, uh, you know, if you're a football fanatic, this is uh, kind of exciting. But, you know, the reason why it's happening is not very exciting. But, you know, right, it's yeah. bad here, I guess. Yeah. You know, because uh, the situation right now is, is nothing to smile about. But uh, try to have fun with it. You know, we've uh, got – we're under a month left of football here. And, uh, you know, as much as we uh, may be frustrated with what's going on with this team, believe me, two, three weeks after the season's over, you know, we're we're going to be missing this thing like we always do. I oh, absolutely. I can't get enough of this, this football team, so – um, we keep coming back, you know, we're loyal. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Dylan. So any, uh, any big plans coming up for, for Christmas? Um, you doing anything fun or just kind of kicking it with the family? Well, we have two birthdays in the family that are right around Christmas. So it's more than just a, a Christmas celebration in our house. It's going to be, you know, a big celebration for two birthdays and Christmas. So, we got a lot going on, big family events coming up. How about you? Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got some uh, party with some friends for Christmas Eve, meeting up with family on Christmas Day, which is great. Um, happy birthday to my sister, Nicole. Uh, love you, kiddo. Uh, today is her birthday, so I uh, figured I'd give her a shout-out since you had just mentioned the birthday thing. And, um, yep. you know, my mom will probably, you know, say, why didn't you mention your sister? So uh, there we have it. Um, happy birthday to you, little one. Um, look forward to, uh, you know, seeing the family and, and celebrating, you know, one of the better times of the year. Uh, just wanted to throw this out there. Um, forgot to do the plug for Mile Social. Um, thank you for our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, for anyone that's looking to improve their social media status with their business, please go to milesocial.com and see what they can do for you. Um, I also got a message from uh, Marty Lyons, uh, former Jet from the SAC Exchange. Uh, it's that time of the year where the Marty Lyons Foundation um, is putting together um, their, it's like their, you know, their, their wish foundation for, for children. And, and uh, you know, they're doing a lot of great things for the community. So if you want to get involved, I just retweeted it um, on my Twitter account. Um, you can also look up Marty Lyons on Twitter or you can Google him and look up Marty Lyons Foundation. Uh, it's a great cause, so um, don't miss out. Uh, please be sure, you know, this is the time where, you know, a lot of people are in need and there's a lot of fortunate people in the world, so let's not forget about them. And, uh, you know, just what I'm saying here, um, we love Marty Lyons and he's come on the show in the past, so just want to take mm-hmm. a moment to talk about him um, so that if the fans aren't aware you know, and you want to get involved with their foundation, you know, please go ahead and do so. All right, Dylan. Uh, awesome. It's been a great night. We've uh, we got another show in the books here. Um, you know, maybe the Jets will give us one more victory show that we can do, you know, fingers crossed on this side here. Um, but I hope you have a happy and, um, you know, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Everybody, we will see you next week, um, Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m., Jet Nation Radio. Don't forget to go to JetNation.com and sign up. Get involved in the forums, number one NFL forum in the NFL. So, everybody, be well, stay safe, and as always, let's go Jets.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!